There it is. Now I can hear it. I'm Pastor Rob. It's my privilege to give the message this morning. We're going to be taking a look at the scripture from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. And just to give you a little context for the the scripture today, uh, we're focusing on the life of the early church within the Acts of the Disciples. And just prior to this piece of scripture, we learn about the martyrdom of Stephen. And it happens in front of the presence of a, a young Pharisee by the name of Saul, who was persecuting Christians. So if you would, please stand as we hear God's word from chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but Saul, no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you for your presence with us this morning. Father, I ask you would send the Holy Spirit to to fill our hearts and minds with uh, the words that that you would have us hear, Lord. Change us and, and have us grow. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this week, we continue our our sermon series focused on thanksgiving and living a life of gratitude. And this week specifically, I want to share with you the nature of serving with a heart of gratefulness and what it's like to serve something that is bigger than ourselves. But I also specifically want to celebrate our veterans here on Veterans Day weekend and give them thanks for the contributions they have made to our country. So know this morning as I go through my focus points, I'm going to do a little teaching about the nature of Scripture. I'll include a little bit about the nature of our veterans, but then I also want to talk about the nature of serving the church and our connection as well. Um, as usual, within your worship program, you'll find an area to uh, take down notes. Uh, there's also a periodic table in the back. Oh, wait a second. That's, sorry. It's habit. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can catch that lesson on Monday. Uh, but what I, what I really want to do is, uh, is bring this all together to see how we're connected to all of this. Now, I, I chose this passage because the conversion of Saul is one of the great stories of redemption and change in the history of the church that we can find in the Bible. And I find it personally compelling because um, here we have a story of change and sacrifice and something that I think we can all relate to. Because the good news within this scripture is we can find a story of a person who was broken and separated from the church and for God's plan and mission, and we see the redemption in the story as as he comes around to find out who Jesus is. Saul was a persecutor of Christians. And by all accounts, Saul was really good at it too. 
He was a member of the Pharisees. He was well-educated. He went to the school of Gamiel in Jerusalem. And it's my understanding that if you were um, one of the students of, of Gamiel, who was a, a well-known Jewish scholar, that you were to be just especially respected for your knowledge. Saul was fluent in Hebrew and Greek, and he was also a Roman citizen, which gave him other rights and responsibilities. We know the following of uh, the, the stoning of Stephen. We know that Saul was there. There's a description uh, in the scripture that says that they, they rested their cloaks at his feet. We know he agreed with it. And following that, it was said that he was running Christians out of their homes and throwing them into prison. From the Christian perspective, Saul was a really bad dude. But if you were a hardline follower of Jewish law, Saul was on top of his game, and he would have been your go-to guy to persecute Christians. And he was well-known throughout Jerusalem. Now, as we begin the scripture today, we hear that Saul was actually on a mission to continue his persecution. But Saul is about to experience a calling from God that most of us don't ever have the opportunity. God is going to speak directly to Saul. He calls out to Saul and says, why are you persecuting me? Now, this is a big-time call. God is directly saying to Saul, hey, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, not all calls to service are the same, but here is something that they all have in common. We are changed when we answer the call to serve. For Saul, at the moment that he hears this calling, the change he experienced is an immediate physical one. Saul is blind. But we know there is more to it than that. Saul immediately responds to the call and says, Who are you, Lord? He knows that the voice that is speaking to him is a power that is greater than he. And then he's directed to go to Damascus. It's important to note, though, that Saul does as he's instructed. He answers the call, and he does what God asks him to do. Now, when it comes to our veterans, I think it's clear that each of our veterans, when they answered the call to serve, was changed by the experience. Um, I was not in the armed forces, I was not in the military, but I have a lot of friends who have been. And when I've talked to them about their experience, I found the same connection through their stories, and they have said, the military changed them. As a matter of fact, the military changed them beginning with basic training. It has been said that the role of basic training is to turn civilians into soldiers. That is a big change. Now, to get some more information on this, I did a little research, and I went to the United States Marine Corps website, and I looked at their page that said for enlistees. And the, the page itself, I think, was a recruitment tool to say, hey, this is what you're going to expect if you join the Marines. This is what it says. It says that a new Marine will, experiencing, will experience trials and challenges. And then at the bottom, there is a link in a slideshow that says the transformation begins. Transformation is a word of change. But listen to this. Recruits will not only battle external forces, they will battle forces within themselves to test their mental and physical limits. Only those who rise above the chaos and overcome fear, 
doubt, and exhaustion will earn the honor of defending this nation as a United States Marine. This is not a social club. This is not a place where it's like, hey, if I sign up, they'll teach me the secret handshake and they'll tell me all the good stories. Listen to those words. Fear, doubt, exhaustion. This is, for a person who receives this calling to serve, these are the things that they are going to face. That tells you the medal of individuals who sign on that dotted line to join the Marine Corps and to join the armed forces. They will learn teamwork, discipline, and most importantly, how to fit into the service whose mission is bigger than the individual. It's a call to do something that is bigger than ourselves. That's why we give honor to our veterans, because we know going into it, what they're signing up for almost sounds like some of the worst things we can experience. How many of you would sit there and say, hey, my vacation this year is to go and experience fear, doubt, and exhaustion? By the way, if you want fear, doubt, and exhaustion for your vacation, we should talk. The desire to serve something bigger than ourselves is also present in those who serve the church. And that service also leads to change. Serving God gives us an appreciation to count our blessings. It gives us a chance to change ourselves and to serve in a way that I really do believe is our ultimate purpose in life, and that is to give glory and honor to God. You know, every time I talk to somebody who served on a mission trip, they say the same thing to me. It was life-changing. The experience of being part of a mission trip gives you a chance to see life in a totally different way. And maybe it's you, you develop a whole new worldview. Maybe you have an opportunity of serving people who are radically different than you are. Or maybe it's just the opportunity of somebody saying to you, thank you, in a way that reaches deep into your soul. But the opportunity of serving God is life-changing. But here's the thing. It doesn't always come easy. Service leads to sacrifice. Last week, Pastor Ricky, when he was talking about friendship, said that friendship requires sacrifice. Anytime that we do something that we um, have to look beyond ourselves, sacrifice is present. Service requires sacrifice. As we return to the text this morning, we find that the blinded Saul is in Damascus, as, been, as he was told by God, and he's to wait for a man by the name of Ananias. The scripture continues. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas, when you get there, ask for a name from Tar uh, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him, so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he's authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings. 
as well to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. As we look at Saul, one of the things that we have to consider here in this piece of of scripture is is that if Saul answers God's call, he's going to give up all of the accolades and all the things that he is known for. Saul is a Pharisee, a keeper of the law, and a persecutor. If he listens to Jesus, that all goes away. That is sacrifice. And he does. But we're given another piece here of sacrifice, and this may be my favorite part of the story. You see, my favorite part of the text is Ananias. Ananias hears God's call, and he says, Really? Saul? The persecutor? You want me to go minister and lay hands on the guy who's been throwing Christians into prison and killing them. Really? Saul? Now, for a moment, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of what is the worst thing that you could experience if you were asked to do it. Even in the Lord's name. What is that thing? Now, I'll tell you a story, and my wife's here, so she, she knows this story is coming. My wife hates spiders. Now, not just from a sense of she doesn't like them and they're evil creatures. She really doesn't like them. And, and to tell you how much she doesn't like them, we had a delivery from Peapod the other day, bringing our groceries, and there was a spider outside. And so my wife grabbed one of my shoes and went and asked the Peapod guy if he would kill it. He thought she was going to get it with the shoe. No, no. She got the Peapod guy to do it. And here, by the way, he did it. It was a big spider. They're all really big spiders. But anyway, but he got it with my shoe. But here's the thing. I know if I said to her, you need to go to the spider store, wow, that's going to be a, that's a big thing. Now, I'm not trying to trivialize this. I really want you to think about what is that thing? Because Ananias knows to answer this call, his personal safety is in danger. His freedom is in danger. His life is in danger. Stephen was stoned. What is that for you? But even though Ananias is insecure, he's going to answer that call. Now, the connection for our veterans here is an obvious one. When individuals join the armed forces, they understand that one of the things that they are risking is their personal safety and their life. But yet, they recognize that the call is bigger than they are. They take all of those things and set them aside because the call is bigger. And then they serve with gratitude. Every soldier who I've ever talked to, every Marine I have talked to, every sailor I have talked to has said they serve because the call was bigger than they were. The the mission of defending our nation's freedom was that important. And that's why we give them thanks. Because they recognize it's not about them. 
I've never had a soldier who said, the military deserved to have me. But their service was because our country was bigger. When we are called to serve God, we do the same thing. We recognize that God is bigger than we are, that the service that we give to him is worth the sacrifice. But the sacrifices can be real. No matter what our call, they can be very real. Um, As I said, I did not serve in the military. I served as a first responder. My goal was to protect our home front. And the reason that I served in that capacity started with standing on the, the front sidewalk of my then girlfriend, now wife's grandparents' house when we received the phone call that their house was on fire. I stood there in that front sidewalk with a feeling of sadness and hollowness because as I watched those firefighters go in the front door and do their thing, I asked the question, why am I not doing anything? And I felt a profound sense of hopelessness. That was the seed that grew into my calling to serve the community. And I can tell you this, um, I am afraid of heights. I don't like the dark. And the idea for me of going into some place where everybody else is running out of was not exactly what I wanted to do with my life. But the calling and the desire to serve people and what one chief told me was the worst day of people's lives business was bigger than me, and I felt I had to do it. But I will tell you, the sacrifices were real. Many family dinners that I missed, leaving my wife abandoned at a restaurant when the pager would go off, sleepless nights on overnight calls, and facing every one of those fears was part of the job. But I serve with a gratefulness to help others because I recognized I never wanted that feeling again of saying I can't help. It was a sacred honor to be present with people in the worst days of their lives. I experience it now as a pastor, and it remains a sacred honor. But here's something they all have in common. I was never alone. God was always there. There are times that we are asked to serve what is bigger than us. By the way, I think we also have to acknowledge some other individuals as we give thanks. We have to acknowledge those who are the family members of those who serve. Those who walk side by side with their, um, with their spouses that have signed up for the military. Uh, those who are moms and dads who have dropped their kids off and have sent them off to basic training to experience that change. Many of those people did not sign up for the sacrifices that they were asked to make. And so they too deserve our thanks. I saw the other day online a a picture from one of my friends had posted that said, pre-deployment family picnic. And I realized what it was. It was the opportunity for these families to be together as their soldiers were were being shipped out. And it may have been for some of them the last time they were going to be together for a while. And even more so, I was thinking about um, those, those reunion pictures that we see when a mom or a dad shows up at their kid's school and they surprise their kids and you see the joy and excitement of, they, of their return. What that is, is that's the release of the sadness and all the anxieties that they experienced while their loved ones were gone. The joy that replaces it is equal to the pain they felt while they were missing. We thank those who also sacrifice. 
But there are sacrifices for those who serve the church as well. Right now, our medical mission team is in Guatemala. They got there safely. But they are a half a world away taking their time and their talents to share their skills with people who need it. Our response team gets up in the morning and they reach out to people in need. Jay Kratz's leadership of that team, and even Jay, who got into a truck and drove down south uh, to see what he could do to help people who experience hurricane damage. But it's not just them. It's our support team that, that, that went to Via Fontana Church in Puerto Rico to help a congregation get back on their feet. It's the people who serve at VBS, our Kidman volunteers, people who give of themselves to do Turkey Bowl or even get up to go and paint the North Campus. All of those people sacrifice so that they can give glory to God. Because for each one of them, it's not about them. It's about him. Now there's good news in all of this. We all benefit from those who serve. What would happen if Ananias didn't answer the call? What would happen if Ananias would have said, Oh, you're right, Lord, I hear you, but whew, not Saul. That dude's too scary for me. Well, the good news is he did. And this is how our text closes. Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. We all benefit from this piece of Scripture. Saul will become and start being referred to himself by his, his Roman name, which was Paul. He will become a powerful teacher, give us the foundations of some of our teachings of the church, and be responsible for 13 books, at least 13 books of our Bible. All because Ananias answered the call. All because Saul was willing to listen to the calling that was given to him. He's an example of all of us, or for all of us, when we answer God's call. And we can all understand that, that, that Paul, within his brokenness, turned and could lead the church. So matter, no matter where we are, there is hope for all of us. So let me ask you this. How is God calling you? What's God asking you to do? And very likely, God's not asking you to face your Saul, your persecutor. He could simply be asking you to use the gifts that you have to serve him. So how is he calling Listen for it and answer. Ananias did. And it changed Saul. So if you have a gift, if you sing, sing. If you love kids, serve. But find it. It's worth the sacrifice. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just give you thanks for examples like Paul and Ananias who, who Lord, have 
have shown us that through our, even our weaknesses, Lord, we can serve you. So, Father, as we go from here, help us to hear that call. Help us to hear what we are to do so that we, too, can serve in gratitude. Father, you give us so many blessings. That allow us to help you. Allow us to pay those things back. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we have a few uh, next steps for you for you uh, this week. Uh, this morning, this week, thank a military veteran for their service.